The From the Captain's Quarters podcast is probably brought to you by, obviously, Captain Coop's Beard Company. For all your beard oil, balm, and butter needs, plus our full line of Queen's Treasure CBD products, we got CBD body butter, we got CBD lotion, we got ink balm for all you tattooed people out there, and also uh, Tortuga, our personal lubricant infused with the CBD. Check out CaptainCoops.com. Use the promo code PODCAST to get 10% off your first order, again, at CaptainCoops.com. The show is also brought to you by Apiron Northfields, formerly known as Everything Hemp LLC. You want to dive deeper into the CBD world, including those D8 and D9 products? Well, that is the place to go. Apiron Northfields, it's got all the things, all the things CBD related. Right now, their website, everythinghempllc.com. New website coming soon, but definitely make sure you check out those D9 products. Highly recommended by the Coopers. I always love when I get started off a podcast by saying this one time I was at a bar and and I was in Nashville and I was drinking whiskey and and I and I met a new friend. Uh Garrett Spear is my new friend. We met uh down in Nashville when we were hanging out down there early in January, uh playing with my other buddy and your other buddy, uh Warren oh, Garrett. Yeah. No relation, as they like to say during their performances <laughs> together, believe it or not. Um but no, but it was great great to get introduced to you uh that night. Um and and follow you from there on and, and we got finally got you on the show so welcome my friend thank you appreciate you having me man so i, I do want to talk about that night because i was talking sure. to, to warren about it um it was our first trip down to nashville and, and experiencing both sides of of uh, of the broadway scene uh we were at old red so we we're at you know blake shelton's place down there you guys are playing sure and and here was the plan i was talking to warren i'm like he's like yeah i'm playing down at old red you guys should come down so we we learned the hard way that you don't drive down to Broadway because oh, no. it's like 80 bucks for three hours to park down there. So we Ubered it down there. We're like, we'll get something to eat. We'll, we'll hang out and we'll, we'll listen to the, the jams for a little bit. And then, you know, find our way. We were like leaving, I think the next morning. And like, as soon as we got done eating and we made our way to the bar and the credit card got brought out, I'm like, well, we live here now. We're just because <laughs> those bartenders down in Nashville, like they know, like it, like they can just sense through the can, like that person needs another one, and probably would like some Jack Daniels as well. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> but no, it was it was a fun night uh, getting a chance to to see you perform and uh, and to hang out a little bit after the show. So I want to kind of take you back though and talk about your musical journey because Nashville is 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 such an amazing city. There's so much talent there, but it's it's one of those places like you're from. So everybody's like almost from somewhere else. Very right. rarely do you find like, yeah, born and raised in Nashville. I've only met one. <laughs> and you've been there since, what, 2015, mm-hmm. which is crazy. But you're a Florida kid, grew up in yeah. Fort Myers, oh, yeah. which was crazy because we, we met and we were making our way down to Florida. And the second part of our, our stay down there was on Pine Island. So right. Oh, that's right. right How'd now, that go? The differences between like we stayed in St. Pete for two weeks. So the mm. differences between like the the rowdiness of St. Pete Beach and just the the sound and the noise, the constant you know kind of go, compared to Pine Island where it's like it's just chill, like it is right one hundred percent chill. It, it was Low great, key. yeah. And after leaving a snowstorm in Wisconsin for a snowstorm and leaving at Tennessee in a snowstorm, it didn't matter at that point. I was like, just <laughs> give me sunshine in sixty five. But tell me about growing up in Florida, man. Like, where did music? Uh, in in a place like Fort Myers, where does that find its way into like, oh, this is kind of something that's sticking with me more so than anything else? Sure. Well, uh, 
as most people know, mo- most Floridians, 90% of us are crazy. So, you know, there's always a, it's just anything, anything crazy that happens down there, you know, Florida man and all that stuff. Mm. And, uh, I'm no exception. So I was, uh, I kind of dabbled in a little bit of everything, uh, from my background. I actually, uh, went to a small private school my entire life that my family actually owned. Oh. Like my mom was my teacher. My dad was my football coach. And, uh, my dad also owned a family body shop business that he still owns down there. And, uh, my family all works for, he inherited that from my grandfather. And, uh, so my grandparents were always kind of musical. They, uh, they didn't know how to play like that much. They knew like just three chords, but they knew like old hymns from church and stuff, you know, come from a you know pretty religious family. And we show, uh, they would show me how to play bass with them. I didn't even know how to play guitar until I was like 13 probably, but I started bass at about seven and, I just caught on. They'd find me in there and I was trying to pick up every instrument they had. And uh, my dad's like, Oh, you like this, huh? And I was like, yeah. So, uh, and that, literally uh, by nine years old, I was playing guitar, you know, acoustic and bass and everything. And, uh, never really wanted to be a singer, but, uh, I had kind of occupied with sports all through high school and, uh, even some in college, which I'll get into that a little more, but, uh, yeah, just kind of, just music was my thing. Like, I don't know. I just obsessed over guitar and everything had no interest in being a singer. And, uh, so all my years after football practice, I'd go home, you know, play hours of guitar. And then, uh, I would that Wednesday at our school, cause it was a private Christian school. I would, you know, do the worship music and everything. So I kind of always was playing ever since, I mean, since I can remember, honestly, at least two or three times a week in church. And, uh, so that was the start of it. And then I started, uh, writing trying to write music and i always wanted to be in rock bands and everything and uh you know a lot of people in nashville are like that a lot of us are uh people who wanted to make getting rock and you know country (laughs) came out but (laughs) but yeah so i started uh started writing music and uh it was coming out country like i've always had a thick tennessee accent being i'm from south florida so i don't know where i got it but (laughs) i've kind of always had it and every time i try to sing rock music it'd come out so country that I was like, wow. And, uh, but when I started writing music, like actually sitting down and songwriting, it was like super country. And I was like, wow, so this must be my journey. So I just, uh, and that's why my music's kind of leans towards that rock side, but I still, you know, it comes out really country. Cause I mean, being from Florida, I mean, we do everything. We do everything that, uh, you know, bikers do everything rednecks do. We do everything, you know, it's, it's a big melting pot. So, uh, but I was like the guy wearing, you know, rocker clothes on the buggy or something, you know, I was redneck as can be going hunting and fishing, but, uh, I was like the rock guy, you know, so (laughs) that's the crazy thing about Florida. Yeah. I think there's, it's such a crazy melting pot. You know, when you talk about music genres and stuff, especially when you, you know, specifically you're not, well, kind of like raised in, in hymns, in kind of, you know, more church-based music and three chords in the truth. I mean, really, what more do you need? But, right. you know, that, that line between rock and roll and Southern rock specifically and, and country, it's the impl- It's easy to, to kind of cross, you know, the lanes a little bit, you know, it, sure. it's, it sounds all right to, to, to lean a little bit into, you know, that more rock sound, especially I think now in today's country, because I feel like it's more country has really embraced other sounds and other styles of other genres kind of coming into it and still staying in that, that country lane. But do you remember, especially in the guitar, do you remember like specific bands or artists that you were like emulated or like, man, I, like Eddie Van Halen or, you know, people like that who you like, man, I would just, you, you really wanted to, to pick up that vibe, pick up that feel from anybody in particular. 
Oh yeah, completely. I was uh, the biggest uh, Nickelback fan in yeah. the world. I still am. Uh, you know, there's that's the funny thing about Nashville is every other uh, we do a lot of song, we do some of their songs sometimes. You know, in our set to throw in some covers, and uh, it's funny because in Nashville nobody hates on them hardly. Like yeah. most people hear all of them, but everywhere else you go, people are like they don't even know a song from them and they knock them. But uh, that's the band I wanted to be before I was like pursuing cu- country and. Uh, but I heard the certain song in particular, Jason Aldean, She's Country, came out when I was uh, I was probably 16, 17. And uh, I was still like singing in church, and, but I was starting to write country music. And uh, I heard that one, and I was like, wow. I was like, I can, that's rock. I was like, that's like the first one I've heard that's like a modern rock kind of rock. You know, and I was like, I can do that. So that song in particular, I still play it most of my shows like to this day just because how impactful it was for – you know, there, there's a couple of them. Like, I loved a lot of the old Alan Jackson. You know, that's so cliche to say, but, like, my dad had, like, two CDs. He had the old Alan Jackson CD and the old Joe Diffie CD that had, yeah. like, Pickup Man Pick and all that on it. Yeah. And, uh, but those two, like, for some reason, in my songwriting, I always lean towards more, like, 90 country kind of lyrically because of that stuff. But, and then the music side, I always like the rock stuff. So, yeah, when I heard She's Country. I was like, man, like, I can do this. And if I could put guitars like that in it, I'm down. <laughs> Dude, I, and... Just like hearing that song in my head as you're saying that, you know, the intro, how it starts out and there's the banjos kind of playing in the back, but then you got that fucking, that kick drum is just, doom. but then, oh, oh yeah. wow, I'm like, that is a guitar riff. I mean, that's a mm. rock riff right there, like straight, straight up and, and a great, you know, great song. And I think a great sound, but, but to be able to also encapsulate artists like Joe Diffie, regular Joe, one of the greatest, you know, nineties country records that was out there and Alan Jackson, because of the song because of the storytelling that and how well they, they did it. And what a great blend and the ability to be like, I like that. I like that. It's like a la carte. You get to pick and choose your favorite things and make it into your own sounds. So very cool stuff, man. And then college, college comes along. Oh yeah. Was, was there any hesitation? Cause sometimes when you get that music bug, it's like this, I'm going this way and I don't need, we don't need no education. Uh, we're going to Nashville or we're going to LA or we're going to New York or we're going to make it work. But was there, was there ever a hesitation to, to further your education or was it like, I'm going to school first and we'll see how the music thing plays out. Well, uh, I actually, I'm at one of those weird ones and like everybody who like grew up with me knows like even from high school, like when I was like playing in church, I knew it was what I was going to do my entire mm-hmm. life. So I actually went to college for marketing so I could learn more about like a music career. Like, uh, because I knew actually going for a musical business, you know, not knocking anybody who goes for it, but I knew if I understood, you know, marketing and business, I knew eventually with social media, it was going to turn into, you know, this kind of anyway to where that's kind of the best strategy. So I went my first year, I went to college. I dropped out my second semester, barely made it past my first dropped out my second, uh, that was, that was in Florida Gulf coast university in Estero, Florida. And then I, uh, took a, year and a half break off. And then I went to uh, a place in Lakeland, Florida called Southeastern university, which was actually a music college. Just wanted to, you know, I figured if I was going to try to go back or something, I didn't know what I was doing. I was working uh, full time at guitar center. You know, I wasn't even like, I didn't really have a, a, a great job. And I was like, you know, what do I want to do? So I went back uh, just trying to pursue a little bit of music and you know, I learned a little bit more about music from it, but uh, that year was really good because it was the first time, you know, you actually move away out of your environment to where 
I kind of got a taste of like playing in bars and I was like, you know, I, I really like this and I could see myself doing this because every night I'd forget I'm getting paid and I still do honestly, like that, that right. feeling never goes away. You know, you know how it is when you're doing what you love. Like, so I, it, it was always cool to me that I was like, wow, I don't really have to go work at guitar center cause I can make more in one night than I got paid for the whole week there. Right. So I started doing that. And, uh, after I went, uh, for a year at, in Lakeland, Florida, I went back to Florida Gulf Coast University for uh, two and a half years. So I did about four and a half, five years of college, didn't graduate, don't even have a degree for it. But I, and really, you know, it did help me a lot with the marketing side, like with mm -hmm. the modern day stuff, which social media wasn't anything what it was like it is now. But uh, so, and I'm not an expert at that either, but the point was like, I'm glad I took it because I kind of have a little bit more understanding than, you know, if I wouldn't have, you know, pursued something like that. But yeah. And then, uh, so I, after college, I, uh, I married my wife, uh, in 2000, you know, I have it written on my finger. Let me see 14 here. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, hopefully she don't watch us, <coughs> Sorry, honey. but, uh, excuse me, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, we, we got married and we decided she was actually from East Tennessee. We met at Florida Gulf Coast University in Florida in college. And, uh, she just, uh, she wanted to go back, come back to Tennessee. And it was kind of our mutual thing of, you know, the start of our relationship. I was like, I'm going to move to Nashville. I'm going to, you know, pursue this country thing. And that was kind of our understanding for the first two years. And then we got married and then moved to, moved up here to Nashville. So. Hmm. I want yeah, lots to break down there, but I want to talk about that, that move, that first move after, uh, you know, the second semester at Florida Gulf coast, how important is that to be able to get out of your comfort zone, to get out of that environment that you're, you're familiar with all the roads, you know, where you can turn, you know, where the hot spots are, you know, where the, the good bars are to go into a, another location where you don't know as many people, you're not as familiar with it. How important was that period of time when it translates to the move to Nashville? Because I've heard stories of people that have big, you know, big eyes about moving to Nashville, but they've been in their same circle their entire life and they move to Nashville and they go, whoa, well, like I, huh. There's just, there's so much going on here. Was that super helpful right. to be able to have that time kind of, you know, out of your comfort zone to be able to, to dabble a little bit before making that move after you graduate or after you met your wife and, and, uh, and got married? Oh yeah, completely. And, uh, I mean, and that's kind of the, the hardest thing about country too, is, you know, the whole industry thing is that you have to live here, you know, which a lot of other genres you can be everywhere else. But I knew from the start, cause I was already playing, you know, pretty packed small dive bars, you know, just a hundred capacity, 200 capacity places just locally. And uh, to answer your question, like that's the hard part. Like when you, and a lot of people struggle with that when they moved to Nashville to kind of pursue a career because, you know, they may sell out their hometown. I mean, I've seen mm -hmm. bands do it. We've, we've opened up for uh, bands headlining, you know, a thousand, 2000 people locally, you know, we're just the opener of a Nashville band that's got, you know, on paper more uh more going on with these you know i've seen it but the hard part is when you move to nashville like you're just another band you're just another person there's everybody does everything but it was a good thing too because then it kind of shows you the competition like mm. it makes you you write better music when you can self-realize like this is what i want to be and the hardest part about music is finding out like your sound like who you are as a writer like your lane and that's the hardest thing to do like it's so easy for people to say oh you need to be different you need to do this but mm. The hardest part is knowing who you are, you know. So, and, and I'm guessing that you kind of learn you learn that on the fly when you get to Nashville. Like, there's not, there's not like, oh, we'll go down here and here's where they teach you how to find your own sound or how to write better songs. You kind of have to mold yourself in and you know 
feel out what's out there, who's out there, who's who the you know the rounds that you want to be in, the places you want to play at. Like how how long does it take you to make that adjustment, moving there and feeling things out, knowing that oh I can't just walk into you know X Y Z location on Broadway, off Broadway, wherever, and be like I have a guitar I want to play because there's a line you know there's a line out the door for people trying right. to do that. Yeah, for sure, and like that that's the the hardest part about it too is like you know uh, Broadway, you know we have that's where for people that don't know on there, you know is like our strip of where all the all the bands play, and usually that's the first step. People move to town, you know. Mm-hmm just to cut their chops in to get some playing, you know, but the, the, the hard part is like uh, going back to like the people that selling out like their hometown shows and stuff like there, that, that kind of happens on Broadway too, to where that's like this, the stigma of like, we're the biggest Broadway Nashville band, which is great. You know, those, those guys make a lot of money, but like the better thing is like when they come here and then they, you know, they leave their hometown and realize, Oh wow. Like I got to check myself because the music's so good here. The competition's so good. I actually have to like, you know, to start over because you're just another person in Nashville. But yeah. the good thing is when you do that and you pay, put in your time and you start traveling and playing more, then you go back to your hometown where you sold out and then it's even bigger. Mm-hmm. And then Nashville sees that, you know, it's like a give and take on, right. you know, from what I've seen. But do you remember the first place that you played when you got to Nashville? Oh, I do. Actually, I'm actually getting a tattoo on my arm, too. Uh, <laughs> there was a <laughs> it's my next tattoo. There was a place called Paradise Park that uh was and anybody who's you know played broadway there uh you know for the last 10 years knew about it and it was a pretty gross bar it was called paradise park trailer park it had like (laughs) green grass turf on the ground it was and it literally looked like a trailer park but they would give like musicians deals on beer like it was like five dollar pit pitchers for like musicians that are playing so that was like our broadway hangout spot and like I moved in town probably two years before it got really, really crazy down there. And that's when I spent most of my time on Broadway. It was in my first two years. And I played at that Paradise Park two days after, actually three days after moving to Nashville. I played there on a Saturday night, packed out with uh, my friend, Alicia Arnold. And uh, they, uh, she, she, they, she did a duo called Smoking Guns, and her duo partner was on the road or something. So she asked me to just fill in with her, and I thought I made it. I was like, wow, sold out. <laughs> Broadway bar, like, look at this, you know, and, but special memories. That's why I'm getting tattooed because they tore it down and put an axe thrown place there and the axe thrown place is out of business now. So <laughs> I'm salty. <laughs> it's okay. It, it's okay to be salty about that. It's, you know, you can't, you can't take away tradition, especially when it has, you know, it has that meaning to you because I know that there's, there's so many places. That's the one thing that, that I, I being a music lover, being in, in, in the industry and in radio for, you know, two decades of my life, experiencing a place where you go down on a Tuesday afternoon at like one o'clock and it's every, every place there's music happening. playing. It's just, it's, it's a happening place. Is that, was there intimidation in that? I mean, coming from, you know, the Fort Myers area, which I know has still has a great music scene down there, but to go to a place that's like, this is why they call this place, the Mecca of, of not just country music, but really it, it's become kind of a, all genres of music any intimidation there with like, wow, there's just, there's just so much and it's everywhere. And it's, it's not like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, it's every day of the week, 24 hours, you know, almost 24 hours a day. Any intimidation when you walk into that and go, wow, it's, this is the place to be. Oh, for sure. And it, and if it don't, uh, if it doesn't intimidate you when you first move here, then it's like, hmm, I mean, good luck. Cause it's like, <laughs> I had before I'd moved to Nashville, I really hadn't been to any like major city like Chicago or like 
you know, the biggest city I'd probably seen was Jacksonville because I lived there six months before I moved uh, to Nashville in between Fort Myers and there. But uh, I was I was overwhelmed. I mean, because especially because the whole downtown, that's really all we have is drinking and bars and stuff. And I'd never seen Chicago. So it was really the most happening, like mass amount of people city I'd ever seen. And I was like, wow, like there's a, you know, there's a billion people down here doing it. But the good thing is like when you get established and you meet your people and everybody has like their little camps and you know their cliques and people they know the good the good thing is like general population of people down here are, are pretty nice you know they're not you know some people get ego to their head but most of them are pretty apt to you know the average person who's in that you know are decent people and you grow that and you really can't now i can't go anywhere on broadway or midtown and not know most people in there you know which is nice because that's one thing i realized in answer your question it's intimidating but you also learn that it's it's really a small town city it's like right. You know, most people know everybody, you know, that could be a good thing and bad thing. <laughs> where, where did uh, I know we had Warren Garrett on, like I said, a couple of weeks ago on the show. And you guys have been like been chummy for for quite a while. Was he one of was he one of the first in in the in the circle that you, that you met down there? And you guys have been rolling together for a while. You know, uh, no, I've, I've known Warren for probably, uh, I'd say. Uh, four years now. Yeah. No, he was uh, he was one. He is my best friend uh, in town. You know, one of mine for sure. I mean. Mm-hmm. He, uh, I met him at the right. We were writing with, uh, I forget who we were writing with. Me and him had a right from a mutual friend, and uh, I never met him. And I noticed his last name was Garrett, and uh, he was playing one of the songs he wrote that day. And he's got a song called Hard Tail Heart. Mm. And uh, I was like, dude, that's a killer song. I never heard him sing, and his voices, I mean, he's got great voices, you know. So uh, I was like, man, I was like, dude, you're sick. So like, William and I just started writing together and started hanging out, and uh, you know, I was starting to do a lot of touring. I've been touring full time with my same agent for about six years now. And uh, I kind of started having shows where I needed, you know, somebody to come open or some come help something. So started getting him on, you know, with that. So, and then, you know, now we do, we do stuff all the time. Him and I fly out for to do songwriter gigs, mm-hmm. acoustic gigs, you know, go to Vegas. So we see each other a lot. You know, we play in town, you know, like you saw us yeah. pretty regularly i'd say every other month or so so how cool is that not just with you know not just with warren but to get a chance to 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 play you know do the acoustic thing but have somebody up there with you that was that was so much fun just you guys both get a chance to kind of go back and forth to play some originals play some covers play some stuff together how fun is that just be able to i mean that was a you know wednesday afternoon into evening that you guys were just out there having fun that seems like there's not a ton of pressure. It's not like, you know, doing a show, you just kind of get to go and hang out and have friends and meet new people and kind of intermingle. That's gotta be a fun part of, you know, the all encompassing stuff that you do. For sure. It is. And like, I was thinking about it all the time. Like the stress in doing this job is literally just before you get on stage because Mm -hmm. on stage is the release. And no matter what kind of show it is, no matter where you're at, like if it's a fly in date and you're, you know, uh, we just got back from a two week run out West. We flew into Denver for a day, uh, for, literally five hours and had to drive to uh, New Mexico at Albuquerque to play some shows out there and all over New Mexico. And like all the stress is in the travel, you know, and and getting there. And as soon as you're on stage, like, it don't matter how tired you are, like, you know, you just hit the start playing. You're like, wow, this is the release. So that that's the rewarding part about it, especially when it's in town. Cause then, you know, you don't have to do all the travel. Like you're just with your friend you know, we'll have a good time, get a little, have a couple of too many drinks, start talking crap. You know, <laughs> some of that, some of that was my fault. I don't know how that Jack Daniels oh, ended up on stage, but it did. 
I don't remember most of that. I remember hanging out with you briefly, but it was a good time. There's pictures to prove it, so it really happened. Mm-hmm. It's true. Mm-hmm. Do you have and, – and I feel like you're a guy but just because of the fact that you've – it seems like you knew from a very early age, even going through the process, that this was something you wanted to pursue. So it's, it's tough to put like, – do you have a favorite aspect of it? But the songwriting element of it, obviously the being in Nashville – aspect of it playing shows like I, I got a chance to see it play with Warren and getting out on the road is is there a place for and on stage but is there a place where you're like man I just I love getting out and, and going and seeing the country and playing for different people is it being is it being in the songwriters round or, or sitting at home writing like where where is where do you find the most joy in in what you do sure I mean that's actually a great question I I'm definitely definitely from the singing aspect now and like the musicianship aspect like not necessarily like the the performance side of it, but like just just like knowing who I am as like an artist now, like that's so e- it's so much easier to write like my lane of music. Like I don't have to have a broad thing of like you know where's this gonna go, you know musically, where am I gonna go? Just knowing like now that I know my lane and I know what you know. And the hardest part for young artists who like don't know is like I always tell them like think about what you're gonna tolerate for the rest of your life. Like think about if this song if it blows up tomorrow, you have to sing it for the rest of your life. Like what can you tolerate? Because you're going to think a lot of your songs are great, you know, but yeah. <laughs> that's the way I always had that mindset of like, if it's fun live, if it's, you know, if, it, if people don't know it's my song or if they think it's a cover song or whatever, you know, and they get into it, then, you know, you, you kind of do, do the job, you know, <laughs> yeah. but definitely singing is definitely the, probably my nowadays, like that's where I find my joy. That's my release. And like, you know, the, the singer gets a lot of perks, you know, a lot of times when we're playing, you know, casinos and stuff, we get to go everywhere, you know, and all the <laughs> VIP fun stuff. But it's uh, de- definitely the musician, music part of it is still my core, you know, from learning guitar at a young age. Like I still play. I mean, I got guitars everywhere. You know, they're just sitting around. I just always have one in my hand or always I do a lot of uh, recording myself also like work demo work for other people and stuff so just music music side of it is definitely and i love songwriting too i've gotten way better at it there's definitely an uh art and a muscle to work in that but music music musician side no doubt is my my thing that advice i and i've interviewed many people is incredible because it's it feels like something that you never think about you never really think about this is the song that's going to blow up and, you know, escalate to whatever, you know, the record deal and, you know, the, 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 the storybook, here's how it's supposed to work. Oh, that song has to be a part of your playlist and your set list every single night for the rest of your career. Like, right. You're so not to say that everybody's like, so in the moment, but you're writing a song, you feel good about it. You like it. Maybe you're not like, but that's the one, like what, what a good perspective to have. Like when you're writing, understand that if this is this is the song that that elevates you to the next level this has to be a part of your arsenal right forever like when nickelback wrote how you remind me were they like this is pretty it's, it's good you know i like it mm-hmm. and, and now you know after it was like the most played song of 1999 right and here we are 20 some odd years later and they're like Ugh. Never made it as a wise man. Shit. <laughs> yeah, I think that thing's diamond. I think that song is diamond itself yeah. for something crazy. It's ridiculous, <laughs> and 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 I love the fact that you you got the Nickelback love because I've I've never understood, and and I, I always wonder like what do they think? Because I've interviewed Nickelback before before a show, and I'm like these guys sell out anything they they book. They're like that that's sold out. Like do they 
here's 75,000 people. I wonder what the right. 10 outside protesting think. But that was to get off a little sidetrack there. But what a great advice when you're writing a song to think about this could be the one that you have to play forever. It's oh, yeah. So we, we've kind of gotten to, uh, you know, where you are at, you know, with your career now. Like we look at, you know, the last three years kind of being in, and I know you've had to experience it being in Nashville. And I always feel doubly bad for Nashville because I was uh, set to interview an artist from Nashville on a Tuesday before the lockdowns happened. And on that Tuesday, a freaking tornado tore through Nashville. Oh, wow, yeah. And then, that was rough. And then <coughs> everything got shut down. So not only does Nashville have to deal with, you know, the worldwide global shutdown stuff. Oh, by the way, there's cars inside of buildings because this tornado went through there. But having to go through all of those things and not much touring, not much in the way of shows, and finally getting back to it. What did you do? Where did you focus your time during you know that period? Obviously, things have, have changed a little bit. And we were just down there in January, and and it, we, you know, pretty much free as a bird. But did you? Was there a focus of yours during that time? Did you kind of go like nose to the grindstone in in, in writing, songwriting, like you know, working on commingling via the the interwebs? Like, what was your focus during kind of that that portion of time where you weren't allowed to go out and do one of the favorite things that you like to do, which is perform in front of people? Sure. We, uh, we actually, the good thing was I only had about two months, two or three months where we were shut down mm. completely. Cause like Na Nashville, the news was saying we were shut down, but they fought it, you know, for mm. the first, we didn't shut down till like later in that year, I believe, you know, don't quote me on that, but, uh, it was later. So I, what I was doing really was just kind of laying low. Mm. I was coming off three years of doing over 150 shows a year Eesh. and I didn't really realize I needed, you know, time off. So it was kind of good for me and like, my band could attest to that too. You know, they were like, wow. Like, so the first couple months was great, but there was a wave when everything started to open back up and, uh, you know, shout out to my agent, Tracy. She's, uh, she works miracles sometimes. And we really, we, we probably still, we did like 60 shows during wow. that first year of COVID still, which really helped keep the lights on and helped, uh, you know, just keep us sane too. Cause it was hard. Cause some places, you know, there'd be nobody there because, they couldn't or yeah. like, you know, so would cancel here and there. But for all, all in all, we still we still were playing at least twice a weekend a month, you know, two weekends a month. I mean, yeah. uh, so that helped keep us sane. And uh, so everything, I think there was two waves of that where things were opening up and closing. And yeah. we'd get full weekends, go out and, you know, do as many shows as we could. And then they'd shut down. You know, we rode a wave where literally bars were opening up for one weekend. And shutting down the next week after we were there, and it felt like it was like every place we went to was like that. It was insane. <laughs> but at least you got a chance to uh, to get out and and do those shows before the ebbs and flows of those waves. And, and you talk about that importance of that that small break and not realizing that you need it. I think that's that's so key in that because you're you're flying you know 150 miles an hour doing 150 shows a year all over the map, and you you must just adjust to that. Like, this is just life now. This is just what we do. This is just how we roll. And then you get a forced break and you're like, this is probably beneficial. We probably needed to take a couple of breaths, spend some time with our, you know, our loved ones and, and, uh, you know, let our bodies recuperate and then, and then get back to it. No doubt. And like that, that break time is always great too. But like the hard part about, you know, the easiest thing about traveling is when you're doing it all the time. The hardest thing is when people go out for one weekend a month, because then that weekend feels like the longest one. But 
when you're in a swing of it, you know, I'm sure most people who travel like to attest that, like it's better just to keep going. Yeah. It makes the time go faster, you know, but yeah, sometimes you got to step back and take a break. I know I did. And those first three months were great. Like I got all the stuff I was waiting, you know, to get done that I couldn't done. And, you know, I got to relax a little bit and then we, you know, we're hitting the bars again, you know, <laughs> for very little money at that point, but <laughs> it kept us sane and it kind of give you more purpose. Like, when you know that not everybody can go just do that and you're like, you know that there's places that are still okay with it, you know, and you're just like trying to, you know, make it by, you feel like, you know, people that are there, you feel like it's a part of the clan, you know, right, right. like we're part of the clan, not a clan, a crew, you know, whatever. <laughs> no, I, got, I got you. And, 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 and double shout out to, uh, to Tracy, your manager. Cause that's, that's the grunt work right there. That's the legwork of trying, especially during that period, trying to find those places. You're like, uh, are we a, are we a go no go for launch Houston like let's make this happen for sure and I've got mad respect for the places that had us because as soon as they opened they wanted us you know because we've uh, we're one of the you know I've been doing this with the same circuit of places for about six years so a lot of them I'm just glad to see we didn't know they were one of their favorite bands but we were getting calls off the hook for it and it was terrible to turn them down because some of them had to shut down before we could have it but it was uh it was made us feel important because we're like, man, we're doing this like they want us, you know. So yeah. if anything, we felt like you know we were doing something right all those years for grinding, you know. Yeah, and there's definitely, I think, a a, a rejuvenated appreciation for the live show from and, and all aspects of it and, and everything that it entails because it's not just you know the artists and the band, it's it's the venue and it's the staff and it's the town and all the things that get affected when when that normal that sense of normalcy when you're like, oh, the, the, there's always a show at you know billy's bar uh this weekend and then there's not so i think it's 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 really great to be able to feed that need for uh for everybody that's involved and we talk about 2022 feel like you know the gloves are off the blinders are off we're all you know progressively moving forward at the same time in in the same motion you have a big year planned um even with a new baby congratulations by the way thank you. you and your wife uh four months old now oh yeah and and he told me before and he's sleeping through the night i'm like i remember that never happened with my son. That kid still doesn't sleep through the night, and he's almost twelve. So, but oh wow, I'm not saying. I'm just, I'm just a little <laughs> bit jealous. But big year this year. Um, new music coming out uh, later on this summer, and I'm guessing back out on the road doing a lot of stuff. Tell me what 2022 all entails, and where uh, what you're you know most excited about. Sure. Well, uh, the g good thing about COVID is we had it. You know, like you said, we did have a lot of time to start getting uh, everything together. You know, starting the accumulate all the songs over the years and like kind of sit down with uh my manager wayne carini and like you know my agent you know tracy and be like you know what, how we're gonna kind of hit this year and uh so we got four songs that are coming out this year we got uh my new one's called fit fix and toots coming out march yep. 17th st patrick's and, day everybody oh yeah I'm, I'm ready for that one we've been <laughs> sitting on that one for about a year now just trying to line up everything right with uh you know just getting the whole team behind it and mm -hmm. doing everything right the process so I'm glad to see that finally coming out. It's going to be a really, really good one. And then uh, I have another single coming out into May. It's called We Out Here. That's uh, we're going to do. And it's going to be sick, too, for summer. It's a good old party drink, drinking song, which, you know, most people know I'm very fond of. <laughs> so That's why we get along so well. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> well, it sounds like a busy year uh, with new music out, and I'm guessing getting excited to get a chance to go out and perform those songs in front of people. Like what is oh yeah, we got a full schedule. If yeah. you go on my website, GarrettSpear.com, it's so we got everything on there. We got we got Chicago coming up in two weekends, and then uh, we'll be all over the place. 
Awesome. Well, the website, definitely uh, check it out. And there's links to, of course, all of your social, social media is on there uh, so people can follow along with the, the story. And, yeah, I saw that um, the new tune is coming out on St. Patrick's Day. I'm like, it, it, you know, I feel like we'll have jams to jam to that day while we're drinking Jameson and, and Guinness, a one-off. Hell, yeah. Awesome, man. Well, hey, thanks for jamming on the show today, man, Garrett. It's It's been great to to catch up. I know we 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 briefly chatted, or maybe it was long, a long conversation. I'm not 100% sure when we were at Old Red. It may have been <laughs> – we may have talked for hours or it may have been five minutes, but to get a chance to uh, to hear your story, I think that's always the important part when I get a chance to talk to artists is is how important that is, especially when, you know, you have, you know, some tread off of your shoes from that transition to Nashville back in 2015 is there's an education period that it's not drive to Nashville and the curtains open up and then you know, the guy is there with the check. And he's like, here you go. You know, we're going to fund your whole tour and you're the next big thing. Like there is. Oh, if only. (laughs) (laughs) That storybook thing is just, it's only a storybook. (laughs) But to be able to, uh, to hear that story about where it starts, you know, where it, that first influence comes from when you talk about your grandparents and their, their influence on you musically and the transition of uh, rock and roll country. Oh, I guess I'm just, it it found its way together. And then to where you are now, man, it's just, it's great to hear your story. And and I'm glad we got a chance to, to catch up and, I can't wait to catch you again. For sure, man. I appreciate you having me, man. I'm, you know, I have to do more of them. I'm down. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Well, uh, let's uh, let's get you back on when we're talking about you know you know the single after this one that's coming up on the 17th, and we'll uh, we'll talk and we'll we'll have bevies over the interwebs and and eventually I'll make my way back down to Nashville. I don't know. They may <laughs> my credit card bill has to be paid off first after that night. At, I'm ready. At old red. <laughs> let's go. Yeah. That was my biggest shocker when we first got there. Because we're from Wisconsin, and like drinking is just like our thing, and so oh, yeah. you know it's you know when the quantity is high, the price is low. So we walk into I think our first bar was it was Tootsie's. We're like, oh, we have to we have to stop in here and just you know feel the energy of that building. Oh yeah, you have to. And I'm like, oh, we'll get a uh, like a get a beer, and then and, and Nicole wanted a, a Bloody Mary. You know, it was like a six ouncer. I'm like, twenty four dollars. We got to take out a loan to come down here again, but we <laughs> but we adjusted. We just kick the can down the road a little bit with that credit card at, at Old Red. But take care of yourself, man, and let's uh, let's stay in touch. We'll get you back on the show very soon, man. For sure, man. Thanks again for having awesome. me, man. We'll talk to you later. Anytime. Garrett, take care of yourself, man. Hey, thanks for checking out the From the Captain's Quarters podcast. You can, of course, rate us wherever you are listening to it, whether it's on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere. Uh, give us a five-star rating. Leave us a comment. That certainly helps. And also share the show. If you like this episode or any of the previous ones, share it with your friends and your family and your neighbors and your coworkers and your pets. Let them know this is the show they need to be tuned into. That huge, that is huge for us when it comes to growing the show. We appreciate you for listening and make sure to follow us on the social medias as well. Just search for Captain Coop's Beard Co. on all of social media's platforms. <laughs>